The following is a production of Art Trap Productions, brought to you by the Gallifreyan Embassy and has been made possible by supporting subscribers and donations from listeners like you. This episode brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download at audibletrial.com slash podshock. Over 85,000 titles to choose from for your iPod or MP3 player. Live from the surface of Mars. Oh, oh, oh wait, hang on. It, it's the huge sphere. Uh, no, hang on a second. It, it, I, I swear this is the planet of Karn. Now, who am I kidding? We're in Cardiff. It's a quarry. And it's Doctor Who Podshock. The Gallifreyan Embassy presents Doctor Who Podshock, episode 339. Hello, hello, hello. Yes, welcome to another episode of Doctor Who Podshock. And, uh, well, I, I, as always, I'll just throw in my introduction first because then I'll forget it later. This is Louis Trapani, and the voice you just heard was none other than Ian Bissett is uh, back with us. Hello, Ian. Hello. Uh, what was your name again? I've forgotten now. <laughs> it's, uh, it's that Lewis guy. Oh, yeah. Lewis, 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 Lewis. Lewis Black, Lewis, Lewis um, CK, Lewis, uh, no, Lewis Trapani. Lewis Lewis Sing Sips. Lewis Trapani. It's good to be back. It's good to have you back. And thank you for that wonderful intro. We don't know where we are. We're, we're, we're from some quarry in, in Cardiff. Ah, uh, you never know. It's probably the far end of the universe. It's it may very well be twenty three million years in the future. It, the sky does have a uh, scent of uh, lemon drops. So, oh, I love a lemon drop. Mm. So, also joining us, well, Ian is here um, stateside with us on the east coast, and but Ooh. across this little puddle that we call the Atlantic <laughs> Ocean. Um, we could see stars in that puddle, but um, across there's one shiny star, and his name is Mr. Dave A.C. Cooper. Woohoo! I've got my eye on you, a star. <laughs> yeah, we come as a package. Uh, yeah, you get you pay for Ian, and you get me free. I, uh... <laughs> He's cheap, in other words. <laughs> <laughs> It's uh, well, it's uh, you guys are under contract. When one goes, the other has to follow. So mm-hmm. it's sort of like um, Ian, uh, like um, Martin Lewis or um, <laughs> the two Ronnies. Yeah, Costello. The two Ronnies. Yeah. <laughs> the two Ronnies. Welcome and wise. Anton Deck. <laughs> and um, Dave, uh, right are on. you joining us with any uh, liquid refreshments? I am indeed, and I've I, I broken my fast somewhat because I've gone nearly 10 days without any wine. Uh, oh, my uh, Yes, I, I had a little sensation. <laughs> <laughs> I had a little sensation creeping into my big toe. It's called gout. It's nothing exciting. So um, I, I ceased and desist. Uh, it's usually a policeman telling me to cease and desist, but for once it was myself. So... Um, I am back. I'm back being devilish with the Casalero del Diablo. Ah. And that's a Cabernet Sauvignon. See, this is a, a, a bit of a throwback because as we record this, this is a Friday night. And although this show is not going out live, 
uh, Dave, Ian, and myself were uh, regulars on a Friday night quiz show on uh, somewhere in these parts on the internet where we uh, discussed what we were drinking that night. Um, so it's sort of a throwback to that. Sort of an uh, inside scoop there. To that end, um, <laughs> I got some Mandarin orange sparkling water with me, so beware. <laughs> beware. <laughs> So, um, and speaking of toes, since our last recording, I had fractured my big toe, but um, I'm pretty much healed up there since that time. Oh, good. And that last little noise you just heard is um, someone else on our show. This one is also stateside here, uh, also on the East Coast here. We'll have to get some, uh, get some West Coasters back on our show. Uh, this one is one that goes by the name of Kyle Jones. Hello, Kyle. Welcome back to the show. Glad to be here. Glad to be back and glad to be talking about Doctor Who. So, yes, glad to be here, guys. Oh, are we going to be talking about Doctor Who? Oh, darn it. Did I I give it away? I think you gave it away. Spoilers. Spoilers. (laughs) Oh, and Lee wanted to send his regards that he couldn't be with us tonight, but he said to pass along regards. So, regards. All right. Well, we are... We'll we'll, we'll put (laughs) his regards with the other regards. And we'll give him all to Broadway. we'll, we'll, Mm -hmm. We'll have to. And I'm drinking Coca-Cola, so FYI. And nothing in it, just Coke. Just Coke. Straight Coke. Straight Coke with a smile. Okay. Well, um, like to bring, like to put a smile, uh, I'm try, trying to think of that song, the Coca-Cola song. I like to share, I uh, oh, forget it. I'm not going to sing oh, for you. Yeah. Give, I'd like to <laughs> give the world a Coke. Keep it company. And keep it company. Uh. All right. Well, we're not. We're, this show is not sponsored by Coca-Cola, as surprising as it may be. <laughs> or Dave's uh, wine. Or Dave's wine. So, but that does leave us with Ian. On um, we we failed to because we started this trend. Be, you know, after his introduction, Ian, are you drinking anything tonight? I was. I drained it. <laughs> <laughs> I was drinking a Smith and Forge hard cider, um, which wow. if you happen to like cider, it's really good stuff. Uh, but it's all gone. So. Um, if I get quiet a little bit later on, I'm running to the fridge for some beer. The champagne of beers. See, we thought you were having a Tim Tam slam. No. <laughs> I was just I was just I was just extolling the virtues on, on, on the the gang here and also on the internet of a, of a Tim Tam slam. Well, well before Google before it. the rec- before the recording started he was a bit torn about what to have. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, so Lee will probably be joining us next time, but he does send his regards and he would be here, but he had other obligations, scheduling conflicts. And, um, you know, I know it's been a while since our last um, show, which and I think each time we do a show, we say that. So um, and we keep on saying, oh, we're going to start doing this uh, more frequently. So uh, but so let's just get that out there. We'll, we'll, we'll try to do this more frequently. But now that we have new episodes coming out every week, hopefully we'll be back on our on a regular basis. It's just scheduling wise is uh you know with um everyone on board on the show trying to get a schedule that works good for everyone is sometimes challenging but um we'll try to have shows out on a regular basis with the new series out which um we'll be reviewing the first episode today in in um in today's episode the pilot so um of course if you have not seen that yet 
stop the recording right now or stop the we're going to continue recording but you stop the playback of your podcast right now and get busy and why haven't you watched it yet <laughs> too late i already stopped my recording <laughs> that's you okay Kyle, you can still hear me kyle's recording what? too <laughs> yeah and i didn't stop if i stopped my recording you still hear me it's weird time lord science <laughs> It's all happening at once. All together. All together. Man. All together. Since we we're, we're kind of discussing and we just introduced all our hosts and um, and and since we're sort of on the topic of of, of hosts, um, some um, little sad news. Well, not little, but big sad news is. Um, I mean, every time we get into our news segments, uh, as we're about to do, um, invariably there's always a, um, a passing that we need to report on, which is um, something that's uh, now goes, um, you know, uh, hand in hand with the show that's over 50 years old now. Um, there's always going to be something, uh, someone that has passed since our last recording. Um, but Unfortunately, we have the unfortunate news to uh, talk about one of our own, one of our um, a regular guest host here on Doctor Who Podshock. Uh, any longtime listener will probably recognize his name. And um, he's actually, you know, we're recording right now via Skype because we're all in different locations. And on my Skype list under Doctor Who Podshock host or under favorites or whatever, he's still there because I didn't remove him yet, is our regular co-host or regular guest co-host here. Taras Natishan has unfortunately passed away this it's about, a, um, this, this, um, about a week and a half ago now. I think it was Tuesday of last week. Um, anyway, this past week we've, we lost him. He was uh, battling... Um, an illness that's um, that was slowly um, um, affecting his life and his mobility, and um, you know he it might have been a reason why he wasn't able to join us in more recent shows. Um, he always enjoyed being here, and um, it's tough to see, or tough you know, just tough to uh, have one of ours, you know, a friend of ours. Um, he's been a longtime listener. He was a um, supporter of the show and a contributor to the show even before he became a regular guest host on the show. And uh, um, you know, he's joined us on many reviews, on many episodes, and he always had insightful things to say. He was, um, and he had this encyclopedic knowledge of Doctor Who. He could always tell you, you know, anytime we're talking about any any a guest star, he could tell us when that guest star was last on the show, how many episodes that guest star appeared in, or or, or a character when that last character appeared on the show. And he just had, um, like I said, like this encyclopedic knowledge of Doctor Who and his enthusiasm about the show was contagious it just um it was always a delight having him on the show because that energy um and excitement that he always had for doctor who you know spread across all of us and um it's an energy that we're going to miss oh indeed and uh, that was a lovely moving uh, uh tribute that you gave to him on the uh Gallifrey, oh, yeah. uh, Gallifrey Embassy Org, um, uh, entitled, if you want to search for it, um, We're All Stories in the End, Just Make It a Good One. And so, and that was a lovely piece. And, fr and from the heart, I felt uh, Lewis reading that. And of course, it's obviously a personal loss for his, his family and his wife. But um, yes, he was, he was well loved and well respected. Um, I mentioned a couple of things on, uh, on our site and indeed in reply to you that um, 
as well he had other interests uh, one of those being photography and the night mm-hmm. sky yeah. but uh, i remember from um, the conventions um, more often than not you never a little bit like something that's going to show up in today's doctor who episode you're more like to catch a reflection of him in the mirror taking somebody else's photograph than him appearing front and center yeah um he did an awful lot of that and uh, yes uh, uh, he will be sadly missed and he uh, I always enjoyed those episodes uh, where he was on at the same time as me and um, bowed to his uh, knowledge on it. So, yeah, very very sad passing um, and and more personal, uh, even though I've, I've never met him uh, in the real world as it was, I did feel as though I knew him somewhat. Yeah, you know... Yeah. His voice is just, I, I, I just, I still hear his voice in my head, you know, where it just, uh, you know, it just became a staple of, you know, when we do in these recordings. And, you know, even though he was on, he wasn't on every show, it just was a, a, on a regular basis. I just, I can, you know, even though I, I did meet him, you know, and we did, we did see each other in person, not, not, not so much recently, um, you know, um, he, he was, uh, I know he's, was wheelchair bound in the past few years. I didn't really see him much at that point, but, um, but I, I, when I think of him, I, I hear his voice more than I visualize his face. Well, it's, you know, it's a testament of the things that we do. And, and, and I'm going to comment something on what Dave said. You know, people can develop relationships and familiar, familiarities and knowledge of people without ever having to meet and having, you know, bonds with people. And again, echoing what uh, Dave said, Lewis, what you wrote was totally appropriate and very heartfelt. So very, very appropriate. Well, thank you. I just wanted to add too, it's like, just like Dave was saying, we never met face to face. And I don't even think I was friends with him on Facebook, but I knew of Taras. Um, we actually did, uh, I think we did one or, or two shows together on Podshock. Um, and that was as close as I got to meeting the man, but um, I consumed a lot of Podshock at, at, a, at a very quick and uh, quick rate when I discovered it. And, and you know, that was one of the names that, you know, it always stuck in your head is, you know, because, you know, you got used to hearing his voice doing reviews and, and making comments and stuff like that. And, you know, he'd just come he just became part of uh, part of the landscape of Doctor Who for me, you know, mm-hmm. um, especially rediscovering it in this country because I've been involved in fandom in New Zealand and, you know, nothing until the show came back here, and, you know. And so he just kind of became, you know, part of my life in, a, in, a, in an interesting way, you know, the way we kind of do these days with social media and and podcasts and things like that there's a different way of communicating with fans now and and you know he was just one of those nice guys you know yeah i you know i have no idea what he was like in real life but i get the feeling he was he was a nice guy you know and i've i've seen other people who who did know him personally and it's kind of nice to know you were right you know yeah he right? was thinking he was a nice guy it's like you know you just you get that feeling from somebody and then it's really nice to see that confirmed and it's it's it's, it's very sad that we've lost him and you know um my heart goes out to his, his family and his and his wife i always found him as a an inviting fellow he was always you know um you know we um 
we did a live show at Fiddlesticks. Um, uh, it was a um, I'm trying to remember what year it was. It was um, a few. Uh, I would say at least five years ago. We in New York City where he was there, and um, he was also at several. Um, um, there was a, there's a New York Doctor Who group that was uh, when I say New York I meant New York New York City proper um, in Manhattan um, where he would attend and we were uh, there we did, we sometimes recorded some segments there um, years ago as well and um, he was always you know inviting people to his table whatever he was he was I, I never heard him say anything negative about anyone or anything and he just seemed very like I said very um, friendly and very inviting and um, um, open in that sense so I think it's a it's a sad loss and um, and we're gonna miss him here yep here here all right well um, yeah we I mean we didn't want to bring the show down we kind of debated whether or not we will talk about this at the beginning of the show or the end of the show but I've you know I guess we sort of decided that we'll talk about it you know since you know obviously it was someone that was connected directly to our with our show um, so we'll be right back, and oh well, no, we'll we'll do our news, and then we'll we'll, we'll be back. <laughs> so I'm, this is usually our you know our news segments where we talk about passing. So, um, but we'll 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 get into the news then. Um, that's what Taras would want. He's um, somewhere in the ether saying, "Get on with it. Enough about me." You know that. I was just Use looking. <laughs> I was just looking for the typewriter sound. And I told I told Ian before if we misplace the typewriter sound, he can clunk on his uh, keyboards. And <laughs> oh yeah, lovely. <laughs> and that's exactly. It's, what it's, it's strange, you know. <laughs> you did him. You trained him well. <laughs> I'm I'm actually the typing monkey on Colton. <laughs> I do my own <laughs> own stunts. <laughs> All right. Well, in um, well, it's at long last. The drought has been has hopefully come to an end, but it's it seems to um, been manifest in one place though. Right now, uh, classic Doctor Who episodes are now available for streaming via the internet on a fairly, I think, a fairly new service called BritBox, and you can capture you can uh view um many classic episodes um i haven't subscribed to it yet myself but i know i when this uh, news first came out i went to the service and uh, i poked around a little bit and i, I was just Ooh. i was just poking at the first uh, couple years you know hartnell years i think i i, I um peeked into uh some uh Patrick Troughton as well and some Tom Baker but I didn't you know scan through all of them and I Ian's with us today so Ian's can shed some light on some missing stories I know speaking of missing the missing episodes are actually um not there of course they're missing but <laughs> that would have been something if that would really be breaking news if they had the missing episodes but it's interesting that they list the episodes on their website and the missing episodes that are missing you know when i say missing i mean they, they don't exist anymore they'll, they'll just say not available next to it but um i think ian was telling uh, at least the last time we kind of chatted on on facebook um he was telling me that there were some dalek stories and um that are that are not there that are not of missing episodes, but they're just missing from the service. Yeah, for some reason I don't know, and I haven't really got around to asking them or, or anything. There are um, some of the later Doctor's uh, Dalek stories seem to be absent from the service, and I don't know why. 
Um, I wonder if that has to do with the Terry Nation estate. But that's sounds, what I was about to say. But you sounds. would think it would affect every Dalek story. Because yeah. other people who Because uh, uh, I made the comment on, on BritBox's uh, uh, website. And uh, somebody said, no, this is this is available and this is available. And I hadn't looked at the earlier ones because yeah. I, I basically had started off in the Colin Baker you know, uh, era and Revelation. I wanted to watch Revelation of the Daleks. And it says unavailable. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then I I, uh, I looked at uh, Peter Davison and uh, I think I also looked at Sylvester McCoy. And yeah, their Dalek episodes aren't aren't available either, and so I'm not entirely sure why. Like but um, like the, I, the, I didn't go rights. looking for them, but I, I did see the 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 first story, the Daleks, because I said I, I did I did peek into like the first couple um, years of you know William Hartnell to see what was available, and I, I did see the Daleks that were you know the, the original the second story of Doctor Who, the Daleks were there, and um, and I think Genesis of the Daleks was there, but. I, I wasn't looking for the other Dalek stories. I just haven't, uh, like, in, in my browsing, I just remember seeing those couple Dalek stories. But maybe maybe they have to pay a, an additional license fee on top of it, and um, so they only select it. I'm, I'm just guessing. I, I have no inside right. information yet. I'm just speculating that maybe maybe they were hand-choosing which Dalek stories they they're, they're, they were going to make available because they didn't want to pay the, the extra licensing fees. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what what the what the deal is, but uh, but then aside, it's um, it's good. You know, uh, there's other stuff, of course, apart from Doctor Who, but uh, we'll get to that in a minute. Um, but yeah, there's a ton of Doctor Who, classic Doctor Who, and it's kind of good to have it all on the one roof. Uh, for a while, Hulu, uh, the streaming service Hulu, carried uh, Doctor Who, and also Netflix had some Doctor Who, but they never had. Um, Everything, and I mean, right. I know we're, there's some doctor, uh, there's some Dalek stories omitted, but everything that you could possibly want is listed on their site. Um, and they so, proudly say that it's 26, uh, you know, the original 26 season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it, it it's all there. I mean, aside from those, you know, omissions. Um, so that's great if you're a Doctor Who fan. Um, it's fantastic to have it all in one place. Um, if you're uh, an Anglophile, it's even better because mm. um, they've got faulty towers, keeping up appearances, um, EastEnders. Right. <laughs> they've got Red Red Dwarf. Um, yeah, they've got. I think they've got every episode of Red Dwarf on there every season, every series. That's great. So yeah, um, I just got done catching up on the. They've got the most recent series as well. Um, so. I they wish they had Blake uh, Seven. I noticed. I wish they had Blake Seven. I was just going to say, I wish they had Blake Seven. Right. Well, who knows? Maybe yeah, in time they will. You know. Yeah. yeah so there's, there's it's how much? Do you know how much like. it is to subscribe? I oh, wasn't. What's it? It's. I think it's like seven dollars a month. That's what I was going to say. Like seven ninety nine or six ninety nine yeah. or something. Oh, they also have an adventure in space and time. They've actually got some extras on there too. Um... I'm trying to recall what they were, the Doctor Who extras. Um, was it like yeah, the Revisited, you know, when, it, when they did around the... Yeah, they got the, yeah, they got the Doctors Revisited. That's it. Hmm. 
So yeah, definitely and check it out. They have apps for um, the various platforms. I, I know there's an iOS app and an Apple TV app, and I'm sure there's probably, I'm guessing, apps for Android and, and um, yeah, uh, yeah um, I don't know, whatever else is out there. Yeah, um, yeah, it's available on, on um, Apple. Uh, it's also available for Roku, oh, if Roku. you have a Roku. Yeah, because mm-hmm. yeah, that's what I've got. That's, that's one of the main reasons why I got it. Um, because I like to be able to watch stuff on my big TV. Sure. And so to be able to watch it, you know, it is great. Well, I've, I've tried it on the Apple TV as well as the, you know, iPad, and it it works like seamlessly. So Could there's it... a few few glitches I've seen on the Roku, but it's just slight picture glitching on the Doctor Who episodes. But apart from that, it's, you know, it's great. Is it? Do you think it's the video, or do you think it just could be like an internet, like um, like it was buffering or something, or, or like a stutter? That I'm not sure of because it's it's you know it's such a quick glitch, mm-hmm. it's just a slight like picture yeah. slippage almost. I see. All right, so we're gonna test this next time you get one that does that. Let me know which episode it is, and I'm going to uh, watch it and see if it does it to me. Yeah, there you go. Ah. Well, I've only watched so far. I've watched uh, Mordred Undead. And I've watched uh, Twin Dilemma. Twin Dilemma, of course, was the first first Doctor Who I watched on there. Yeah, Mordor. Don't all look at me like that. <laughs> Mordor Undead was one of those stories. After, uh, as long-time listeners will know, I was, I was affected by Superstorm super Sandy, and I got flooded out and all that. And um, when I, um, I have bought a bunch of um, VHS tapes that I recorded off PBS Doctor Who back in, in the day, and um, and um, anyway, so the, but they're all scattered about, and I'm not sure if all of them survived or not. But anyway, that was one of the ones that I, I did see, and I, I rescued it, and I um, even though it was VHS, I enjoyed watching that. Um, you know, sometime um, maybe a, a year or two after the storm, just to kind of relish in um, some old Doctor Who. It's something special about Mordred Undead for me. I, I don't know. It's just I don't know, the two brigadiers, mm. the, the the spaghetti. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's actually funny that uh, this is a bit of a sidetrack, but I, uh, I I found out today that there's a, a fantasy show coming that's being re- rebooted, remade, uh, called uh, Monkey, uh, Magic Monkey. Monkey Magic, whatever. Mm-hmm. But anyway, it was back in the 80s. It was a Japanese show that was overdubbed for, uh, you know, the British market and the and, and it made its way to New Zealand. I was looking at the cast list the other day and uh, to, to kind of see, you know, what the actors, the actors were doing um, now. And in there, it was, it was quite a confusing list because, of course, a couple of characters are listed twice. I was like, um, you know, how is this possible? And of course, they have um, the voiceover actors listed as well. And uh, David Collings did the voiceover for Monkey. And David Collings, of course, is Mordred. Oh. Ah. So, sorry, a bit of a long-winded story, but it all tied in <laughs> it together all came at the in. end. I was wondering why that this uh, this magic monkey business was showing up on my social media feeds all of a sudden, and now you explained mm-hmm. it. Yep. Yeah. But yeah, he was uh, he was he was because it's like oh he looks familiar. I'm like oh it's Mordred. <laughs> I just got done watching him. <laughs> Quinky dink. Yep. 
Well, speaking of classic Doctor Who, and this isn't a spoiler because um, it is in the promo trailers and um, we are going to see the return of the original Cybermen, the, uh, the Cybermen from Mondas. In fact, not just the Mondas Cybermen, but the, you know, the, the, in their original motif, the original... <laughs> uh, big headlight on the ski masks. On, on, yeah, the ski mask <laughs> and the big headlight on the forehead type of Cybermen going right back to the very beginning of the Cybermen uh, from the 10th planet. Um, the Cybermen that spoke like this. I like to hear you talk like that. <laughs> In the monotone Cybermen. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> They yes. will be returning. <laughs> Something to look forward but to. But are they on the 10th planet? <laughs> we do not know. They will be on the 12th planet. <laughs> or at least the 12th episode. <laughs> I haven't had enough to drink for this conversation. I think I need a drink now. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably because you had that... Uh, Yes. Mandarin orange, yes. Mandarin uh, orange. All right. Well, no, I, I think it's pretty cool. You know, I think we're seeing uh, many, and we're going to be obviously, uh, as we said at the front of this episode, we're going to be reviewing the pilot, which also has a little um, um, cameo of, of, of from um, you know uh, uh, from characters from Doctor Who's past returning. Um, so we'll talk about that in, in a moment, but it's it seems like we are seeing some returning of um, familiar faces, as we can see in these previews that we're seeing. Uh, unfortunately, it's kind of ruining um, the, the the surprises because um, they're sort of giving things away. I know Ian was discussing this before the show that um, the show is sort of missing. It's maybe there are more surprises ahead of, but um, my a guess might be because the series has been off. For a year, you know, without, with the exception of the Christmas episode, the um, the return of Doctor Mysterio, um, maybe this was just a um, they're trying to get news, trying to you know um, generate news out there in the media by revealing what might have been just you know what they would normally hold back as surprises, or maybe they're just putting it out there because they know it's going to get out there anyway. You know that they couldn't contain it; that eventually it's going to leak, so they might as well do it themselves. I, again, I'm just speculating what what might be the reasoning, but um, we do see another familiar face, um, which looks like an, an actor that we've seen before in Doctor Who. I don't know if I should um, master up the courage to say the name. Oh. <laughs> Come it's, on, it's simple. It's a very simple, simple thing to say. It could be any <laughs> Jack, Joe, John, John. Yeah. <laughs> Or it because could be someone quite... from Mars. Right. <laughs> Is, if there's we life. had a life on it. <laughs> exactly. Well. And we don't know that. <laughs> <laughs> Just watch those trailers. Watch those uh, sneak previews. Mm-hmm. We have no idea what he's talking about. Mm. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so we'll I guess we'll move along um, move along move along 
Some more unfortunate news. Uh, as we recorded our last episode, um, I think it was just a, a day or two after we finished recording our last episode, um, more sad news. Um, John Hurt, a.k.a. the war doctor of Doctor Who, but he also has an immense um, dossier of um, work that he's done over the years. By no means, is he's just known for Doctor Who, um, especially in in the science fiction genre alone, he's known for many different roles, but um, but John Hurt, um, a.k.a. the War Doctor, had passed away at the age of 77. Um, I, I know this is going back to January, so I, I know it's it's old news for most, but, you know, we'd be amiss if we didn't make a mention of it now in our, you know, in this recording. Was it, was can, wasn't it cancer, if I recall correctly? Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. So, um, yeah, well, at least we got to, you know, we, we, we got to have his talents in Doctor Who, albeit briefly, uh, for the 50th anniversary. Um, but um, it's a sad loss, though. Yeah. And and it was actually, I mean, it's one of those things that kind of, it was somebody that I grew up hearing his voice all the time from... Um, from the, uh, Jim Henson's The Storyteller. Mm, um, of course, yeah. he was Harry Potter. Um, he featured on The Hunting of the Snark, which I love. Um, but it was really neat when he kind of came into this exclusive club that we're part of. And what was really neat is that he he kind of embraced it. If I'm not mistaken, he did, he did some conventions and stuff as well, did he not? Right, yeah. in the Big Finish audio... Yeah. yeah, and Big Finish Audio. So he really kind of, he didn't just show up and do the job. Mm-hmm. He kind of really kind of got into it. And that was really, really nice for us. It was, you know, kind of, it was, uh, I mean, for somebody to show up and, and, and do a part on, on, on Doctor Who is, is really cool, you know. Um, but to hear them then talk about what a positive experience it's been, um, it's kind of a validation for us as fans that 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 this thing that we do is actually worthwhile. That somebody who has such an immense talent and such a long uh, career uh, in the acting profession kind of put his stamp on it and said, "You know what? This is good stuff," and 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 I like it, and I like the people who like it, and that was really kind of, you know, let me feel good. <laughs> Like, Phil Hurt likes us. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He really likes us. Well, you you know, I mean, he he was no spring chicken. I mean, not that he was very old. He was in his 70s, but he could have just as easily said Young, that. Younger than Dave. <laughs> but oh, he, he could have just as easily said that he wasn't going to, you know, that conventions were too, you know, exhausting to do or too or whatever. But he, you know, it seems like he enjoyed it, you know, and enjoyed being part of it. Yeah, but I mean, it's it's more than that. I mean, the whole body of work that he did. I mean, what some of the first things I saw him with is in uh, Ten Rillington Place, where he played the unfortunate husband of the girl who gets murdered by Christie, uh, played by Richard Attenborough, and uh, played Quentin Crisp in yeah, the uh, Naked Civil, Civil Servant. Civil Servant. Mm-hmm. Uh, I Claudius uh, played a you know um, unbelievable character in that. Of course, the most uh, one of the most iconic science fiction moments ever, uh, Alien, mm-hmm. uh, with the alien bursting from his shell. Oh, spoiler. Um, <laughs> spoiler. 1984. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's absolutely 
unbelievable the volume of his work. And and like David Tennant is, is now, he also had that, uh, you know, did that narration, you know, Watership Down, Lord of the Rings, The Black Cauldron, and um, and of course it's the Dragon uh, in Merlin. Uh, so um, yeah, and absolutely. Um, I mean, I think I think I was listening to your podcast, uh, Lee, when uh, Kyle, when Lee was talking about um, you know how, how often in America they think there are only twenty actors in the UK. Right, right, <laughs> right. But but I mean, uh, th- there are these actors um, that. Um, they just are called upon and called upon and called upon um, because they're such reliable ones. Um, and he was in that group. And, of course, we, we, we know the other ones, you know, Patrick Stewart and, and um, Ian, Ian McKellen, McKellen. Salomon and so on. And then in the, in the female uh, actress, this, um, the one in Broadchurch now, uh, Olivia Coleman. And, you know, the, the, they just are consummate in what they do uh, and not not uh, not just of one style i mean there used to be um what they call uh, journeyman actors uh, actors that um you know if you wanted a retired colonel um or even actually um let's go back to william hartnell william hartnell before he got he was typecast he he always played things like sergeant majors you know he, he had that sort of uh, working class, but man that bossed. He wasn't office material, hadn't got the education, hadn't got the voice, hadn't got the, the elocution. And so he specialised in that, that sort of role. And, you know, you'd have uh, people that were always playing detectives. But, but his, his dramatic skills uh, would range across all sorts of things. And also, of course, uh, from stage uh, uh, to screen and so on. And I think Maybe it's not quite as clear-cut as it used to be, but one of the reasons why a lot of British actors were called upon, uh, and so many, of course, in the Harry Potter series of movies, was because they'd, they'd done the groundwork, they'd paid their dues, they'd uh, tra- trodden the boards, and um, and therefore they knew how to project, they knew how to be uh, calm and just do it with the eyes, and... Um, I mean, he must have had one of the more recognised... I mean, you know, we, we, we talk, when we're talking about Star Wars with Darth Vader and the voice, um, and uh, there are certain voices, half a dozen voices, that you can just automatically uh, recognise. Your ears just perk up. And he was in that little elite group of actors that did that and, and still working, as um, we said there, right up till... Um, Till, till very near the end, I believe. Mm-hmm. But uh, very sadly missed, yeah. Yeah, another outstanding performance that um, I failed to mention before was uh, David Lynch's um, movie The Elephant Man, 1980, which um, he, ah, yeah. he played John Merrick, which was uh, an outstanding performance. And he was a CBE, uh, um, uh, he was um, commander of the Order of the British Empire. Yeah, he played Stephen Ward in um, the Profumo Affair called Scan- well Scandal, I think it was called the film. Uh, so an awful lot of things. Yeah, Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy, uh, the the new version of that. So 
Yeah. Um, one of the... Uh, well, uh, he became Sir John Hurt, yeah. and that was to do with uh, his, his contribution, I think, to the acting and uh, the entertainment world. All right. Well, um, yeah, he's going to be miss. He was. He was also um, I, I, again for genre fans. Uh, I know it's not one of the most popular of the Indiana Jones films, but he was in Indiana Jones and the King, Kingdom of the, of the Crystal Skull. All right. Well, another sad loss, and um, I guess on that note, we'll take a break, and we'll be right back with our review of the pilot. This is the first story of the 2017 series of Doctor Who, a series 10, if you like, or season 10, I don't know, whatever you want to call it, 20, whatever. The new Doctor Who, current Doctor Who. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, season 10, I guess. No, se- series 10, season 30, whatever it may be now. <laughs> 30-something. All right, we'll, we'll be, be right back. back. This is Annika Wills, and you are listening to Doctor Who Podshock. Hi, this is Lee Shackelford reminding you that Doctor Who Podshock is brought to you by Audible. You've probably heard of Audible. Just in case, they are the world's leading provider of audiobooks. They have more than 150,000 titles. Let me say that again. 150,000 thousand titles to choose from. Imagine a genre, they've got an audiobook in it. And these files play on iPhones, Kindles, iPads, any smartphone. In fact, over 500 different devices. Now, for fans of Dr. Who Ponchak, Audible is offering a free download when you start a new Audible subscription. You can choose anything at all from that vast library, but we know you'll want to get one of their delicious Doctor Who titles. They're performed for you by actors you know and love, wonderful voices, uh, Tom Baker, Paul McGann, David Tennant, on and on it goes. Try it out for 30 days, and if at the end of that month you decide Audible is not for you, you still get to keep that Doctor Who book you downloaded. So... Let me put it this way, free Doctor Who book, right? So here's how to get started. Point your favorite web browser to audibletrial.com slash podjock. That's audibletrial, all one word, A-U-D-I-B-L-E-T-R-I-A-L dot com slash podjock. Pick your free book. You're going to love it. I'll tell you what I don't understand. You've been lecturing here for a long time. Like 50 years, some people say. The be light in the office says over 70. Yeah, and you're thinking, well, he doesn't look old enough. No, I'm wondering what you're supposed to be lecturing on. Like, it's like the university let you do whatever you like. One time, you were going to give a lecture on quantum physics. You talked about poetry. Poetry, physics, same thing. How is it the same? Because of the rhymes. What are you doing at this university? I always wanted to come here. Yeah, to serve chips. So anyway, am I nearly done? Do you want to be? See ya. You ever get less than a first and it's over? You what? A first. Every time. Or I stop immediately. Stop what? Being your personal tutor. But I'm not a student. 
I'm not part of the university. I never even applied. We'll sort all that out later. You kind of have to sort that out earlier. Leave it with me. I'm assuming that it's a yes. Yes. I'll see you at 6 p.m. every weekday. I don't care who's dying. Never, ever be late. I'm very particular about time. Oh, um... People just call you the doctor. What do I call you? The doctor. The doctor's not a name. I can't just call you doctor. Doctor what? Never, never be late. I'm very particular about time. Tell that to Amy Pond. <laughs> How long was she waiting? <laughs> oh, she was just a girl who waited. <laughs> yeah. Well, as you can see, that's uh, a clip from the pilot. And um, so once again, if you have not have seen it yet, you know the drill. Spoilers. Spoilers. Again. Spoilers. 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 All right. Well, enough about the back of my car. Let's talk about this episode of Doctor Who. This is called The Pilot, and it's the latest first episode of this year, 2017 Series 10 of Doctor Who. Uh, it's um, written by Stephen Moffat, directed by Lawrence Gao, if I'm pronouncing his last name properly. See, uh, Peter Capaldi returns as the 12th Doctor, and also returning Matt Lucas as Nordal, which we saw last in the Christmas special, The um, the Return of Doctor Mysterio. And joining the cast is Pearl Mackey as Bill Potts. Um, this is her introduction story. Um, well, sort of, yes, because we did see a little segment Actually, almost exactly a year ago, on the 23rd of April, 2016, we got treated to a, a little mini-episode, if you will, uh, Friend from the Future, a little sequence that um, they did to sort of introduce fans to the new companion that was just cast, uh, the, um, Pearl Mackey at the time, playing Bill Potts, and they sort of incorporated that in this story, in this pilot ep um, episode, and it's called The Pilot, and... In more than one ways, I guess it's um it's it's a double entendre because it's not just because it's a story about um, a entity finding a pilot, but it's also um, sort of a reintroduction to Doctor Who in many ways. For um, the show has been off the air on a regular basis for a year now. It's been on a hiatus with the exception of the Christmas special. So this sort of um, I think this is an opportunity for them to kind of reintroduce the show to uh, perhaps a new audience or, uh, or reintroduce the show to, um, to, to uh, regular viewers. I totally loved it. I'll just go ahead and get it out there right okay. now. I totally loved it. Well, we... Yeah, I agree. Five out of five for me. <laughs> I, I, well, we're starting off the review with, with how we feel about it. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. Um, I, I'll, I'll say my, my, my tardis groans until the end, but um, yeah, I really did enjoy it. Um, it. As I said, it does introduce Bill. I remember back a year ago when we saw that, that, um, 
I don't know how long it was, uh, it was a three-minute um, video sequence of um, that introduced Bill. We were all kind of speculating on where the doctor is going to find Bill because we that clip was um, them already together and in the you know running through corridors with Daleks and um, you know and so it wasn't like a clip of them meeting for the first time. So we didn't know really how they were going to be introduced. So there was a lot of speculation that um, maybe Bill was from another time error, you know, her wardrobe and all that, uh, that, you know, in that clip seemed reminiscent of what someone might be wearing in the 80s, you know, denim jackets and um, patches on the jacket and big hair and all that seemed very much, you know, there was a lot of speculation that it might be, you know, she might be from that era, but um, all evidence appears that she's from present day Earth. Yeah, in a, in a way, those teasers, I think, um, <clears throat> looking back, didn't do the, uh, any great favours. Uh, I mean, certainly part of that scene never made it to the mm-hmm. main episode. Yeah. But they, they basically, what I think they were trying to do, they were trying to show spectacular bits um, in the, those teasers and trailers. But unfortunately, all that required from, from her as an actor was to sort of look... Uh, British expression gobsmacked, um, which meant that uh, she had that sort of... Um, uh, th- there was no range to Bill in yeah. those teasers, and I think it did... Such- so the, my overriding thing, if we we're going to start with that, is um, not so as a story, but as an introduction of a new companion. It was... It was ve- I rated it very highly indeed. But, but the reason why I think I enjoyed it so much was because um, I, I took to Pearl Mackey um, and Bill much more than I thought of him. I thought I was going to be um, very sceptical of her. Uh, she was going to be um, a, go- a gobby Londoner, uh, contemporary girl, uh, with the only, uh, as it seemed to be, and, and, and painfully addressed, as it were, that she's going to have a slight different orientation. Um, and... Um, that was going to be her defining uh, character, and, um, and and I'm sure you know we'll have a, quite a lot to say on that because it, uh, thankfully they didn't do that. Um, but yeah, um, I wouldn't say it was as good as Smith and Jones, but uh, as an as an introductory, it was a very workmanlike thing. Little light on the monster, but we'll we'll, we'll talk about that mm-hmm. in more depth. Definitely, yes. But, yeah. Yeah. Um... I I liked her a lot more watching this episode than I did. I mean, granted, I reserve judgment. You know, that three minute thing mm. didn't. You know, even at that time, I said, you know, we, I will we'll have to wait and see because you couldn't really judge her from that. But oh. just based on that three minutes, it didn't really. I didn't. I wasn't overwhelmingly liking her there or hating her. I wasn't. I was just. It just wasn't enough there to really make a judgment. But. Um, but I did like her a lot more now Now we got to see the full gist of her character and, and it's fleshed out so much better. And I might, I might say that it's, she's after, cause I just recently went back and watched that three minute thing just to see how it compared. And, um, and I, I think they, they did improve her in the actual episode. They did make her, uh, I, I don't, you know, perhaps a little bit more intelligent, more, and I think that's probably what attract her, her character, what attracts that character, what the, what the doctor found attractive to that character was that she was a very, she's very much a thinking person, you know, when I, that sounds stupid, but, uh, uh, 
you know, she she likes a puzzle and she likes to think things out. She just doesn't take things for granted. You know, when she first spots the the what what, what for her is a police box in in the room, she questions questions the doctor about it. You know, did you you know you built it from a kit? And like he goes, no, no, it came that way. And you know, but then she starts figuring out. Well, how did you get it in the room? You know, she doesn't take anything for granted. You know, she questions everything, and I think that's one of the things that the doctor that's appealing to the doctor about her. Well, that's just like uh, part of that, of what she said with, um, you know, right before that, he said, most people frown when they don't understand anything. Mm -hmm. You smile. That's right. And Dave, something that you said uh, on Cultdom about what really, I think, gave validity for her to you was the scene where she's looking through the shoebox of pictures. And, you know, I liked your comment that you made about that. Oh yeah, indeed. I, I, it wouldn't have surprised me if if uh, 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 her interview sort of where if she was called upon to actually uh, walk through a scene, I play a scene. Uh, I think they may have just given a shoebox of, of photographs and said, "Now this is a very important person in your life. You you you'd never knew that these photographs existed, and it's it is actually the the mother you lost and never saw." I, I wouldn't be surprised if that hadn't been. Her, her audition piece um, uh, because um, she absolutely nailed it. Uh, totally, totally believable. And to the things that you were saying, Lewis, as well, I mean, I think you, you're right. Um, I got this very uh, clear, educating Rita vibe, if you've seen the, you know, the Michael Caine, Julie Walters film, where um, when you listen to it, I mean... It may be the wrong... I mean, I, I'm terrible now. I'm always worried about saying things politically incorrectly, but uh, there was a time when if some young lady at university spoke like that, you would assume she was uneducated. Uh, but what it means is, in actual fact, some people would then read, well, she's also thick as well. But she wasn't. She, as you saw, had a very astute inquiring mind. Mm -hmm. She picked up on things that weren't, you know, uh, how they should be. And and the doctor could cut through the fact that she wasn't... And, of course, the very fact that she'd gone to his lectures, she she wasn't studying for a course. She was going there because... Um, they they were to her fascinating and insightful work, so that had piqued his interest, and um, and there you go. I mean, we know that the doctor does that. Sometimes he'll languish for years. In this particular case, we find out fairly soon that there is a an agenda he's got for being at this university. Mm. But you know, uh, this is somebody who's come to his attention. And, and merits his um, his sort of basically giving her an inter- his interviewing her as a companion, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's how I thought of it as well. So yeah, so that that audio that you just heard, that first scene, we, was takes place at this university, and the doctor's a professor there, and um, you know, and we later learn that they're guarding this mysterious vault there and I think that's going to be an overarching bridge over this season I'm guessing and uh, we'll find out more about that as the episodes progress on what that's all about what's inside and all that <laughs> uh, 
I mean, that clip that, that we played, obviously, there's like a five-minute section before the actual credits roll. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and part, the other part of that was where um, an aspect of this character comes through. I don't know whether Ian wants to take that on because I, I know he was he was pleased that it wasn't dealt with heavy-handedly. True. Oh, you want me to say more? Yes. Normally he likes me to shut up. <laughs> no, um, as most of you all know, of course, you know, social media, et cetera, and then and the news agencies, and that, there was a big deal made. I'm not sure if it was by the BBC or not, um, you know, who broke the story, um, that um, about Bill's sexuality or orientation. And, um, you know, of course, it, it split some people, and they were worried about it, and everything. And some of the comments I saw were, you know, because they they made reference to the fact that it come came up like really early in the episode, like her first line or second line or something like that. And so from that, people thought it was going to be a kind of a heavy-handed thing, and and kind of just like forced on people and stuff. But actually, I really have to say, and you know. Not usually a fan of Stephen Moffat's writing. Well, some of it, but a lot of the stuff recently, not so much. But this was brilliantly written, and it was one of those uh, bits where I, I'd actually forgotten about the new story by the time the episode came on, because normally when Doctor Who mm -hmm. comes on, I shut everything else out anyway. Yeah. And I've done a fairly good job of keeping away from spoilers or anything. So I had no idea what the episode was about. So I was just sitting down and watching it. It was only about halfway through what she was saying when I realized what she was saying. And that struck me as being really great because, um, hang on, there's a soapbox here. I have to stand on. Uh, <laughs> we're getting to the point now where it shouldn't be a big deal. No, it shouldn't. Um, and, and the way that she told us, the way that the story introduced this aspect of her life was completely normal. Yeah, very organic. Very organic, very normal, and just perfectly dealt with. Um, I think a lot of people were kind of thinking it was going to be like Captain Jack, which was a little kind of, you know, but that's yeah part of Captain Jack's character as well. So. Yeah. Yeah, his character was over the top anyway, you know, yeah. even if it, yeah. regardless of his, you know, sexuality. Um, right. Here, yeah. this was just a matter of fact. And to be honest with you, I I wasn't even thinking of it while watching it. It was just a matter of fact right. type of thing. Like, oh, yeah, but it's, I, you know, it was no big deal and they didn't make it a yeah. big deal and it shouldn't be a big no. deal. It's just, it's just an aspect of her person, of her person. Of, and that's it. And right. that's, and that's, there's. And in reality, that's what it is in real life as well. It's not, it doesn't define who you are. It's just part of no. who you are. Right. And it was, you know, it's, it's one of those things. It's like, you know, it gives me great hope for the future of, of television, really, to be honest, that something like that just happened and I almost missed it mm -hmm. because that's the way it should be. It's just like, you know, uh, I mean, some of the arguments are like, well, what about, you know, yeah, we don't have people, you know, uh, proclaiming that they're they're straight. It's like you well, do that's all the time. Exactly right. Yeah, but and you don't see it because it's normal conversation. People say, 
oh yeah i went out with my boyfriend last night oh, i went out with my girlfriend last night it's exactly the same thing here and that's the way it was dealt with and it was fantastic and and you know um i really enjoyed it um i'll step off the soapbox now <laughs> well, well, well let me answer that there also that that information came out just about the time that unfortunately there was this little disney thing about beauty and the beast mm. um well two things one was the fact that you know this stockholm syndrome was actually this girl is being held prisoner by a beast you know uh, yeah. and uh, you know and then the other one was the fact that it was disney's first openly gay character, I don't know, it was a teapot or something, or a clock or something, but um, and so there was a little bit of bubbling up in the Twitter sphere about things like that and there was this danger I think that people think, oh, they're going to latch onto this with Doctor Who now and think oh, there's a trend, is there, you know Right Yeah, but that's the thing, it's like it's, this was uh, not the highlight of the the episode it was not the, it wasn't even a factor in it it was not even right. of it. yeah nothing yeah and, um, and as and it, it should be just, it just, i mean that's right. and i i completely agree with you in here you know and, and it's it's essentially how i live my life as well and i think as as most people live their lives that you don't you shouldn't have to have anxiety or have uh, or build anything up about you know speaking about your sexual orientation or or um your sexuality if you 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 get to know a person you get to you if you, you don't go around saying i like chocolate ice cream or someone else goes i like vanilla you know you know you don't have to proclaim it. you don't have to walk in a room or, you know unless you're going into a carvel or, or someplace that sells <laughs> i mean right. if you get to know the person you get to know what he or she likes and what they what motivates them and what they uh, compels them and all that and you just get to know a person and that's and it shouldn't be this thing that you kind of have to build up and make it a big thing about because it really isn't. It's just it's an aspect of one's person and that's it. All it is. And it doesn't define them. And um, and as you can just look towards yourself, if, if and, um, you know, unless you're an exception, your your sexuality doesn't define who you are. It's just part of who you are. Right. Yeah. I mean, my, my first introduction to to theater um, down here in Florida. Um, I The first part of the play I went out for, I got, and uh, I turned up for rehearsal, and um, one of the actors who was in it um, came up, and, and I already met the director, whose name was Ken, and he says, hi, I'm Steve, I'm, I'm, I'm Ken's partner. How you doing? That's it. That's it. That's all it. You didn't say yeah, because it's it's not the way life is. People don't come and go. Oh, by the way, I'm gay, <laughs> and I'm with him. No, he's just like, hi, I'm Steve. I'm Ken's partner. And that's, and that's he was the first is, person yeah. to welcome me in the theater head on here. And it's like I've always remembered that in, that introduction because, again, it was one of those very organic, very, you know, it's like great. You know, he's not the kind of person who, you know, just shut up from the rooftops. He just introduced himself as. You know, as Ken's partner, who he was, why? Yeah, just who he was, and it's like, yeah. And, uh, so this, it was a really good start to the episode. We yeah. got past the first. first yeah, scene. I was just saying. I mean, the, uh, uh, and amongst all that, people may be listening to that, so that and 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 that seeping into their brain, while at the same time think, what's on the desk? What's on the desk? Why? Oh, I love uh, the desk. <laughs> the desk. <laughs> well, oh, I love the desk. Oh, go on, go on. Let Kyle have his moment. 
Okay. I love those, you know, two pictures. And, of course, you know, we had the picture of Susan, and then we had the picture of one of the greatest people in all the world, River Song. And so between it, did anyone else other than me think that was a stasis cube? Was that just me? Uh, I didn't see the cube. <laughs> okay. I only, I tried, like, I only watched globe, it twice. Not, I haven't watched cube, it again. Uh, globe, I was trying to think what that bell jar was at the end with the little gold thing inside it. Now the gold it's thing. It's just a. That's just an ornamental thing. It's just. It just had fairy lights in it, did it not? Well, see, that reminded me of the scar tissue, of the travels. The the thing under the globe with the look like the wire thing looked like the the when they went into the, uh, the TARDIS in the name of the Doctor and he saw the scar tissue of his travels. That's what that reminded me of. Oh, all his timelines. You mean? Yes. Right, that, that Clara stepped into. Correct. Correct. Ah. Yeah, that would work. I mean, I was thinking about all the, uh, you know, all the sonic screwdrivers. Yeah, I, I mean, I enjoyed all the sonic screwdrivers. Though, and, and you know, if I want to get analytical about it, why would he keep them all out there for anyone yeah, to exactly. pick up and grab? But, um, but I did enjoy seeing the, all those classic ones. Yeah. And I had, no, go ahead. I was say I did have a a slight problem with myself because I was when I saw that picture of Susan I, I was thinking is it Dodo or is it Susan because of the hat she was wearing um, yeah yeah at first I, at first glance I thought it might have been Dodo too but why would he have Dodo the forgotten companion <laughs> I was thinking desk, and then, uh, that forgotten but then I, I re- <laughs> uh, then I knew uh, I realized it was Susan but um yeah yeah and but the was... camera did linger on those photographs a long time mm. which yes they did I don't know there was also a lot supposedly of, a, lot a reference. Um, there was a um, a model of a raven there. I I didn't see it. I have to watch. Yes, yeah, yes. Attention. Yeah. The 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 other thing that's interesting about this whole episode is um, uh, its ties to the first Doctor, of course. Yes. What's the uh, what's what's the new companion's name? Bill. Bill, of course. Yes. Oh. But yeah, uh, not, not, not nothing Bill. to do with Billy Piper. <laughs> First Doctor Cyberman, Mr. Bill William, Hartnell. Hartnell, Bill uh, Hartnell. Uh, also, uh, Bill's uh, love interest, the alien. Her name was Heather, which is the yeah. wife. William Hartnell's wife's name. Yeah, wife's name. Ah, okay. of course. Yeah, you know, a picture of uh, of. Uh, the doctor's granddaughter on the table. All the sonic screwdrivers. It's like they drop it in front of drop hints. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that might and, and, that goes, goes and here's well with uh, which we're not going to get into. But <laughs> that rumor that uh, that unconfirmed news story or mm, yes, mm, that that. Well, well, here's another one that actually Clarence from discussing who brought uh, to my attention after we recorded which I did not even pick up on, the out-of-order sign that was hung on the front door was from, I think, yes, yes. And I, and, I didn't, and I didn't even get that reference. Because hmm. I think it was, who was the companion that joined, at, was it v- Vicky? Who, who joined after Susan left? Well, can't remember. That's Joe Jones. No, I think Vicky... Was it? I th- wasn't it Vicky after after um, Susan? 
And I think that was the one uh, who was in this picture that he showed me that he had seen. That, and it shows the first doctor and uh, and I, I think it was Vicky that were that they were standing in front of the TARDIS and there was an out of order sign hanging on the door. And so I was like, how did I miss that? Oh, yeah, that was the other one. The out of order sign. Yeah, well, we, he put it on the TARDIS. Um, yeah, it was it was uh, Vicky after after um, was the first companion after um, Susan had left, um, and then Steven Tyler and um, Dodo was um, a few companions in after that. Uh, right. But uh, Dodo was the companion. Uh, going back to the War Machines, that's Dodo was the the companion then. That was um, Jackie Lane played Dodo, um, and her last story was um, the War Machines. Which um, <laughs> never she never had a goodbye scene. It was just she just wasn't there again. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it was um, so the TARDIS, um, you know, was in was it present day or in the near future in um, in the War Machines. It was, um, anyway, so he just for for other people not to mistake it as a real police box, he put an out order um, sign on the on the outside of it because he was on the on the streets, you know, outside. As a possible in a university yeah. room, yeah. So, uh, and then, uh, then the next shock I had is um, the credits were the same. I, I was half expecting yeah, same with a new here. set of credits. After such a long hiatus, I thought we might mm. see something new on the credits, and I was. Uh, uh, I thought so too. Yeah. Maybe they thought they'd last out for one more series since uh, they're having a, you know, a whole new um, uh, re- reboot mm-hmm. again. Uh, I mean, in a way, this episode of Pilot was a reboot for people to rejoin. And, and I think all of us have seen around about the internet quite a few people. And I think Lee alluded to it as well that um, this is this is actually a good story to bring new new people to Doctor Who. Yeah. And, um, there's, there's like a little um, extra, like Doctor Who extra, uh, with Stephen Moffat on on iTunes, where he talks about that that this uh, they intended this to be like a good story to introduce people to Doctor Who. Right, right. Of course, no other show on TV could do what Doctor Who did, or the BBC did. Is that if they, they have a world tour advertising Doctor Who, and then in 15 months they have two Christmas episodes, <laughs> nothing. Mm-hmm. Right. After building up all that pent up, you know, interest, <laughs> unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. Here's another uh, clip from the pilot. Am I on time? That's a very big question. <laughs> you know, you're my foster mum. He's like my foster tutor. Am I going to have to break every bone in his body? It's not like that. You need to keep your eye on men. Men aren't where I keep my eye, actually. Imagine if time all happened at once. Every moment of your life laid out around you like a city. Streets full of buildings made of days. The day you were born, the day you die, the day you fall in love, the day that love ends. A whole city built from triumph and heartbreak and boredom and laughter and cutting your toenails. It's the best place you will ever be. (laughs) Time is a structure relative to ourselves. 
Time is the space made by our lives. Where we stand together forever. Time and relative dimension in space. It means life. Or TARDIS for short. <laughs> so speaking of introductions, yeah, that's a reintroduction. Again, it, it seemed very much like this was a uh, a pilot in, in more ways than one, you know, where it's sort of reintroducing or introducing perhaps new people to the series. And, um, and, and it, it seems very much to be the case, yeah. And especially having Susan there, and as what Ian had just said before, you know, I don't mean to like, you know, uh, rehash everything that Ian just said, but yes, it's it's there's so many parallels there between um, callbacks to to the first Doctor and the first, um, you know, um, story of Doctor Who of introducing the show. Indeed, yeah. I mean, there's there's an awful lot there. I mean, we we like to get the reference that you know, Bill questions, you know, why we why would the in, the initials be in the English language and well, she wouldn't have said the word Gallifreyan, but you know what I mean. Why, mm-hmm. why would it be in? A, and of course, as we all know from uh, Unearthly Child, it's actually Susan who who is growing up as a teenager on Earth that that coins the uh, acronym, I think. Yes. Uh, so I'm assuming that's why. Yet everyone on Gallifrey also calls a TARDIS too. So somehow they, <laughs> somehow they, um, whatever you know, Susan had said, um, traveled to Gallifrey and, and populated that planet, and now they all call it TARDISes as well. Well, it was the pre- it was the president on Gallifrey. I mean, what the president says goes. <laughs> or were they? Or were they actually time capsules? You know, maybe they yeah. were, um, you know, an old Type Forty time capsule. Okay, so here was my um, my theory on that. Considering the fact that Susan w- was um, or is or wherever she might be from Gallifrey, so obviously she could speak Gallifreyan. So when she says that it's spelt TARDIS, T-A-R-D-I-S, when she said that, she basically takes Gallifreyan and translates it into English. So therefore, when anyone else goes to Gallifrey who speaks English, since there is the translation matrix that makes us understand stuff from other languages, that's why when we hear it, we hear the word TARDIS. We're actually being translated. It's the TARDIS is translating it for us. Bingo. (laughs) There you go. So it's actually actually and we just hear it as TARDIS. (laughs) Bingo. Exactly. (laughs) Can I show you something? God, yes. I love this place. Don't you? I hate it. Why? I don't know. I just do. Everywhere I go, I just want to leave. Can I come too? Maybe. There's a puddle over there. It hasn't rained for a week. Yeah, but, well, you know, half the students here are blokes. Go and look in it. You want me to look in a puddle? Please. Okay, I'm looking. What am I looking at? Your reflection. Yep, there it is. Do you see what's wrong with it? My name's Bill, by the way. I'm Heather. Can you see what's wrong? Nothing. Just looks like me. 
That's me. That's my face, but it's wrong. Hey! Sorry. Some other time. So in this scene, we're introduced to sort of the adversary of the week, the, the monster of the week, if you will, um, this um, puddle that is, has a, um, takes a, um, can take different forms and um, has um, a sense of consciousness. And, uh, um, but I think this for me is, as much as I love this story, this episode, this is sort of the, my weakest, or my, this, this part of it, this aspect of it is, for me, is the weakest part of the story. It's just, I just felt, um, like many other, um, and I, I don't know if there have been all Stephen Moffat stories, but there, where I really love the story, really love the episode, but then it just seems a little, thin when it comes to the adversary and I, I think it was the case with um, I think we I don't know if we were talking about before the show whatever we mentioned the snowman um, that I felt was the case there and um, where the rest of the story is very strong but then it's for me it's sort of very thin when it comes to, to the adversary and what motivates them and in, in their full story and um, and I felt that was the case here too where um, it just no pun intended, just wasn't flushed out enough for me. And, you know, Lee actually made the same analogy in saying that if you go back to the 11th hour and you look at patient zero, you know, how many times do you remember patient zero? Because you're, Mm -hmm. you're more focused on finding out who is Amy Pond. Whereas with this one, is he using that same, um, you know, story thought or story process of focusing less on fleshing out this one-time possibly, you know, one-time villain and focusing more on the companion. Yeah, the, the threat is there, the edge, really, is almost to get Bill into the TARDIS, isn't it? Uh, and remember, this was... Well, one of the things that surprised me was this was just a 50-minute episode. Now, admittedly, we've had episodes that have been as short as 42 or 43 mm-hmm. minutes, so it is on the long side of normal, yeah. but it wasn't a one-hour show. And considering that... Um, and we haven't mentioned it yet, but it, it was shown in uh, cinemas, wasn't it? Uh, yeah. There were special screenings of it. Um that you may have thought that had gone for a longer one, but um, yeah, I, I think that's a, a standard uh, when you're introducing that uh, character. And by the way, um, I think I mentioned today in that uh, I thought of this uh, this creature being uh, coming from Star Trek Voyager, Hell Planet. The oh. uh, that was where I think uh, the uh, the number of the idea came from, where, the, you know, Harry Kim and... Um, uh, Tom the, but Yeah, they were they're cloned by the, the liquid in the in the pond there. So... Actually, when uh, I first saw it, I actually... I thought of a start, the, the Star Trek Next Generation episode, um, that, that, that tar creature that killed Tasha Yar, the... Um, mm. I can't think of the name. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember. Right. But, um, yeah, um, I think, I mean, when you think about it, going back to uh, the Rose story, I mean, uh, you know, the, the, the dummies weren't that much of a threat in a way. 
Um, it was all about Rose. Uh, some people said with that and with Smith and Jones, the uh, the companion is front and centre. And yeah. uh, just remind me, Ian, did Mike say at last this was an episode where the Doctor was a star? Yes. Yes. Yeah. So uh, actually, it was it was a it was a good kind of even episode. The the Doctor was you know being very good in Doctor. He. A companion being very good and companiony, it was all worked out pretty pretty good. Um, it was very very even balance of you know who did what and um, but yeah, an episode like this, the 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 alien really kind of has to take the back seat. And like Dave was saying, if you look back, uh, the threats have been fairly localized or. Um, not threatening the entire earth uh they've been over the you know you know at that particular location or for example this only really affected bill and uh, so uh, i mean uh, that's 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 to serve the story you know the introduction mm -hmm. for us to get to know the new companion and figure out whether we like them or not um whether we're going to enjoy, enjoy seeing them in the tardis well actually to make us enjoy the fact that they're there and and i think this was probably the most successful uh introduction of a companion the new series has mm -hmm. had yeah um, I mean, it, it wasn't a deal breaker it's just um, it was just no, noting that I, it was I, just it was just a little thin uh um mm. it could have been i mean a lot of it was just um explained in dialogue you know um you know and then like you know the doctor later on in the story talks about how um, it absorbed the real Heather, but how do we? How does he know that? You know, maybe maybe the real Heather is is somewhere is still alive, and he, they they he, he just they kept alive somewhere. There was another story where they kept the the host alive while they rendered copies of them. Um, you know, um, maybe that's the case. You know, a lot of us there's a lot of assumptions going on just to fill in the details that were missing. You know, here. Well, look, Bill actually makes the assessment that she's dead when she sees her. Uh, and they did that um, very, uh, quite frightening in a way. Uh, <laughs> I just watched um, Gogglebox here in the UK, and uh, uh, which is a, it's a program where they show people reacting to TV shows. <laughs> and they showed uh, uh, Doctor Who is one of the clips of one of the selected shows this week. And they actually showed a couple of scenes with the puddle, and the, especially the one... You know, in this um, in this quarry that we're talking in now, um, the, the the scene where the face rises up, and all, all the people jumped. It was quite scary in a way. So, it, the the threat was sufficient of a sufficient level. And and let's not forget, by the way, there was another major character introduced in this episode, and that was the TARDIS. I mean, what, what do we think about the way? Uh, it opened out with, you know, Bill sort of, it's wood. Time and relative dimension in space. TARDIS, for short. You're safe in here. You're safe in here and you always will be. Any questions? Is this a knock-through? Well, in a way, yes. Look at this place. 
It's like a... Spaceship. Kitchen. <laughs> what? A really posh kitchen, all metal. What at the doors, though? Do you want out of money? What you are standing in is a technological marvel. It is science beyond magic. This is the gateway to everything that ever was. Or ever can be. Can I use the toilet? <laughs> I've had a fright. I need the toilet. It's down there. First right, second left, past the macaroon dispenser. Thanks. Oh, human. Human alert. Do you want me to repel her? Uh, she's just passing through. She wants to use the toilet. Oh, I'd uh, give it a minute if I were you. What was that? We have an incursion on campus. Extraterrestrial. We're under attack. Let's move. <laughs> I love how they break the pattern here. You know, we've seen it all time and time again. You know, oh, as soon as they walk in, it's bigger. They're all astonished that it's bigger on the inside. Here, Bill is astonished, but not in the way that the doctor expects her to be. Like, she thinks it's a beautiful, massive kitchen, a walkthrough kitchen. I mean, um, it's, you know, she's excited and, and, and awestruck, but not to the extent where, you know, she slowly, you know, you know, and I love it later when, when then she finally does say, oh, it's bigger on the inside. Uh, oh, and then Nordle says, we got there. <laughs> yeah, we finally got there. We finally got but there. But actually, uh, you, you have a point. I mean, it's been done so many times, it becomes very, very difficult for them to do something different. Uh, without it being overly silly. And this... Like Nargo thought, well, we finally got there. It sounds like you, you know, it's been dragged out and and kind of beaten to death, but it's not. It's actually it's quite fresh and it's quite funny, mm-hmm. and it's it's one of the reasons why I like Bill is she's very very realistic about things. Mm-hmm. Um, she comes up with you know very plausible explanations for it. It's like oh, it's knocked through, and then her next thing is when it moves is oh, it's a lift. Mm-hmm. You know, because it's in the corner of the room. It's like it's that's plausible. Um, so, you know, I, I love that about her. That that you know, that's the direction that she goes with her head. Is is, um, you know, I guess it's the normal human thing of trying to make sense out of something that doesn't really make sense. Um, but it also gives her the appeal of being very, very grounded and very kind of down to earth. Uh-huh. Um, and, you know, that's uh, why I'm really liking her as a companion so far, because of, of, of that whole little sequence there. It really kind of gives you this really good impression of her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I like the part where when when he starts talking about the TARDIS, you hear the, the grandiose the musical, music. Yes. Yeah. And then she says this, oh, it's, it's a kitchen. And you hear all the music stop. <laughs> yeah. And then mm-hmm. he starts up again. The and then she asks right the question. on target. Yeah. Yes. And I have to say, I love Nordle. I just love his character being here. They're working together. It's finally, you know, I keep on, you know, for, for the longest time saying, you know, we we need multiple companions. And, you know, I just love the way they can interact. Like, I, you know, she's looking for the toilet and Nord- Nordle says, oh, I would just give it a minute if I was you or something like that. You know, <laughs> I just love that, you know, it just adds such a dimension. He adds humor to it. And, and I just love the way when one, you know, I always say this, you know, that a companion can then interact. It's not always when it's just a companion and the doctor, 
the dialogue just gets into that routine, that rut, you know, companion dialogue and, and doctor dialogue. And then when you have another companion in the mix, you could throw things off. They could they, they have different relationships with other companions and different dialogues, and they could interact with each other along with the doctor, and it just makes it a little bit more complex and not so binary. And um, yeah. so I like binary, having a Binary, third. binary, binary, binary. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they can fall out with, other, uh, with each other and one can go storming off and get into trouble, you know, and things mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. yeah. No, that 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 was good. Um, but I I, the, I quite like that bit where she's sort of she's got a window, her eyes peeled at the doors, looking through, and then the, as it says, it pans back. The lights goes on. Um, again, um, I mentioned about the credits. Uh, the 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 TARDIS has another facelift. It's it looks actually about the most complete I've ever seen it. Um, but again, I think it was probably sensible if they are going to have this. Grand new series started 2018. That would, I, it would seem to me, have to have all new credits, and it would seem to me have all new wallpaper. Mm-hmm. Um, so, it, you know, and ho- hopefully this series is going to be a more joyful experience. Um, um, we, we've had this particular doctor uh, navel gazing for. Uh, what seems a, an excruciatingly long time, but then you could argue, well, hang on a minute, you know, he thought all these regenerations were up with these 500 years on Christmas or whatever it was, and we ended up with this doctor who who, who may have unlimited our at least a complete new series of uh, things. So, so it basically takes that much longer for him to get embedded. Plus, uh, he's had this loss that we know about. He has this hole within his centre. He's also had, sorry, um, Kyle, he's had this loss of River Song, uh, although, you know, he had his 24-year wedding night. Um, uh, and now, um, uh, I mean, when I was watching the beginning, when, when when she says, oh, you've been a professor here for 50 or 70 years, I'm thinking, well, how come? He's, he's only just arrived back at Earth, you know, from this 24 years. But, of course... There's no reason to say when he came to Earth, he came to Earth in present day. Mm-hmm. He may have come to Earth, you know, just after the end of the Second World War and got his professorship then. Uh, and that's how... I think there may be some um, clash between... I don't know if that coincides with the Seventh Doctor from the book series, the one that was adapted to Human Nature, Family and mm-hmm. Blood, yeah. you know, that was originally a Seventh Doctor story. Uh, but having said that, uh, we've had the Doctor in the same place with different companions at the same time. I think a couple of times, haven't we? Once in New York, uh, where uh, you know, aspects of the chase and another story have overlapped. Uh, we've had uh, him in London where two stories have overlapped, uh, are, have the potential to be overlapped anyway. Um, and um, alluding to your little um, uh, secret that we've not given, but was... Uh, the very end frame of uh, this particular story, um, we've had uh, we've had multi doctor stories um, where obviously they're in the same place in time. With the the ones from the earlier day not being able to remember what has happened, you know. Very famously, we had that lovely. We talked about John Hurt earlier, you know. That um, I'm not going to remember any of this, am I? But for this moment. 
Oh, I'm going, I'm going all choky in my throat saying mm -hmm. that. But you know, but so in me, this moment, I am uh, the doctor again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, um, I thought it was a very refreshing uh, look and, and, and underlines and reinforces uh, what you were saying that uh, Stephen has said. That this does make this, uh, you know, a fully-fledged introductory story yeah. uh, for, for viewers. Um, by the way, um, uh, I also think the, the young girl who played Heather, I thought she did a, a fabulous job, mm -hmm. by the way. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So this is somewhere else. This is a different planet. Not Earth, a different one. That's a general idea. That's different sky. Is it made of something different? What is sky made of? Lemon drops. Really? No, but wouldn't that be nice? You can be very silly sometimes, you know that. So how do we know this water thing is actually dangerous? Ah, uh, because most things are. Oh, that's true. Why? Is everything out here evil? Hardly anything is evil. But most things are hungry. Hunger looks very like evil from the wrong end of the cutlery. Or do you think that your bacon sandwich loves you back? So what is it? What was it doing on Earth? Well, there were scorch marks on the concrete where we found it. Could have been left by a shuttlecraft. The puddle. What did it look like? I mean, if that was a car, what would you say that was? An oil leak? So it's space engine oil. Intelligent oil. Super intelligent space oil. No. Part of the ship itself. Shape-shifting fluid that becomes anything it needs to be. See, the, the, yeah. The first time I watched it, I was a little puzzled by it, um, you know, watching it because it said that it couldn't leave. You know, it, all it wanted to do was leave, but it couldn't leave. Yet then they chased, it chased them all over, you know, time and space. They went to Australia, by the way. No one made notice of the TARDIS appearing there. It was a crowded... Um, I, I, I thought it was a sidewalk at first. I later learned it, they were on a boat. Um, but I, you know, no one made notice of it. But anyway, um, then they go to the end... They go 23 million years into the future on this planet, which looks very familiar. Harkens back to what our intro. You know, we've seen this quarry before. Um, but... Um, but my, you know, that first time watching it, I was kind of puzzled because I said, I thought to myself, well, if it couldn't leave, it seems to be leaving on its own fairly easily. But on the second time watching it, it seemed like once it saw um, Bill, it had, it, it, uh, that link was established as Bill was the pilot. And I guess because, and again, this is, goes back to not fleshing out the, the, this adversary as much as I would like it to be. So I guess that made them, made that, that this liquid um, being able to transport itself via Bill and tra and and Bill was sort of like the homing beacon, um, and and now it was able to leave and travel, and Bill was somehow the pilot. Well, well, the thing is that this is one thing where not having the visuals just help you concentrate on the audio because I found it very difficult. I mean, uh, where where it says in that second one, passenger selected, pursuit engaged. Right. Uh, so that's the pursuit. But the other thing before that, uh, the very fact that when Bill is talking to Heather, um, Heather says, wherever I am, I want to leave. So so the attributes of her, her, her state of mind uh, when she's absorbed by this thing, that, 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 you know, the, the, the thing takes on part of her uh, personality. The object of 
desire linkage or whatever you want to call it uh, links her to her I mean when when it starts pursuing you suddenly see the puddle start to move and then there was that quite scary scene in um, in the flat uh, and um, it was quite some time when it was only the second time I noticed by the way when she went into the bathroom she heard somebody going into the bathroom and we have that sort of psycho movement but before that you see the bath but on the floor you see uh, water footsteps towards the shower uh, and then we do this shower and reveal you know mm-hmm. aka uh, the psycho um, again actually it was quite there was actually some quite good for it to say they were it was not a very complex adversary. It was unremittingly following them, and there were some scary jumps. So I think it was more than adequate to give, uh, uh, you know, a, a threat that they had to go. And of course, as Nordal brought us back, you know, uh, he reminds us, hang on a minute, you know, you've been jealously guarding our um, this um, this box in the basement. And a little bit like, I mean, we're harking back a little bit to Human Nature, Family of Blood, where, you know, where Martha is actually caring for the doctor, the doctor thinks he's human uh, mm-hmm. because so they won't scent him, they won't sniff him. Mm-hmm. Where here, he's, 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 he's not sort of gone undercover because he, he's fed up with the world and doesn't want a companion. Uh, if his presence was known there, then this, this art, artefact... And maybe whatever's within it, uh, that would alert uh, a third party to his presence and therefore its presence. So, uh, and I think Nordle, I thought actually, um, uh, I think uh, I'd said to Kyle that uh, the, his de- Kyle's his delivery of that um, her name was River Song that he did so oh, beautifully yes. in that. I thought Nordle's. Um, purpose on Doctor Who had been really served and maybe he was only going to be in this first episode uh, to ease the transition. We don't know how many episodes he's going to be in um, and we don't know whether he's going to be all the way through. We we know a little bit about the, there's going to be a, another reset in the next series but um, Oh, it all bodes well for a, yeah. for a Rick Roaring series, and it looks like they're going to get off world as well. But uh, to that particular point, I think if you missed just the odd word on audio, you were a little bit lost about why this pursuit was engaged, as it were, mm-hmm. uh, Lewis. Yeah, well, like I said, the first time it was sort of confusing. I, the second viewing, it made more sense, you know, and um, you know, and hence I enjoyed it even more so once it was making more sense. Don't, don't, we'll let go. Now listen to me. Whatever she's showing you, whatever she's letting you see, it's a lure. It's a trap. She's making you part of her. And you can never come back. I see what you see. It's beautiful. We'll let go, you have to let go. She is not human anymore. Goodbye, Heather. Goodbye, Belle. Belle. You're right. 
medical, huh? She's fine. That's the doctor for you. Never notices the tears. You know, I'm yeah, that was good. glad, he, you know, the, the, um, well, for the lack of a better name, the, the Heather personality um, said Bill. You know, it wasn't just mimicking, because up to that point, it was sort of just mimicking everything it was seeing and hearing, and um, here it was actual communication when um, when she said, you know, goodbye, Heather, and she said, goodbye, Bill. Yeah, the affection was coming through at that yeah. point, wasn't it? The, yeah. Uh, what, what, what I thought at that point, and I'm sure a lot of people watching it were thinking, oh, no, uh, because uh, when we see this this opportunity that she could have had uh, with Heather, we're not going to have two more girls going around the universe, <laughs> you know, in a in a tar well in a puddle, but in a tardis. You know what I mean? Mm. Um, yeah, you know, there's too many of them. Everybody's <laughs> doing it. The doctor's not unique anymore. <laughs> And right before that scene, we got to see some familiar faces and non-faces. Oh. We had the the Daleks returning, and th that goes back to that the, that three-minute uh, preview video from last year um, that was incorporated here. They they promised they were going to fly through some fire, and um, so um, we got to see some Dalek um, fire, if you will, and they were firing at a, an adversary of theirs, a long-time warring factor, the Movellians, from um, we last saw in 1979 in Destiny of the Daleks, a fourth Doctor story. And so it was, um, you know, it was a nice little cameo. They didn't really go too much into it. It was just a, a nod to long-time viewers, and and, and again, it didn't alienate new fans. It, it just, you know, it just, it's a little more so there that if they need, if they want to explore who they were, what they're about, they could. They can go back and, I don't know if it's, um, well, it's a Dalek story, so it may not be on BritBox. But um, if they can seek out that story and, 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 um, and, and see this uh, fourth Doctor story, know who the Marvellians are. And, um, and if you don't, if you're listening to this Podshock episode and you don't know who they are, we're not going to tell you either. But they're, uh -huh. we'll just say, um, well, you know, maybe we'll, we'll review Destiny of the Daleks. It's one of the stories we haven't reviewed yet. So um, we have that to look forward to. Yeah, again, it was, it, was, it, was, it was nice to see just, you know, not everything has to be bring back this, bring back that, and, and a full episode yeah. dedicated to them. Because these are these are things from the universe that, that you know, we as fans know. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that's all we need is just that little bit of like, yeah, they're still there. They're still going on. They're, so, they're doing like their the, thing. And, the macro. Remember? The, the yeah, yeah. And Gridlock. And yeah. Gridlock, yeah. yeah. They're still there. They're still doing their thing. You know, it's like, yeah. Kind of that nice little reminder that 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 oh, they're oh, still in the oh. universe and what a great segue! We just mentioned Gridlock. Wasn't the actress who played the mother in Gridlock? Yes, yes, she did. Yes, she, she was. was. Yep. I thought she looked familiar. I couldn't place her. Yeah, she was married to the Cat Man. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was, I, yeah, was, I, I was going to ask you guys during, you know, <laughs> um, we, we didn't talk about the box of no. the box of pictures and and who was in one of those pictures, but I I thought that she looked very familiar, and I just I thought it was maybe just had a familiar face, or maybe I've seen her somewhere else, and oh okay now now I see it yeah. See, in that one, in in this episode, she gave um, Bill a box of pictures, and in the other episode, she had just had a box of kittens. <laughs> <laughs> Zachary. 
I'm trying to remember what. Uh, um, who was it who played the? It was the Irish. It wasn't a Galo, and you know what he's called, Thomas Kincaid, Brannigan, and she played his uh, his wife, wasn't right. it? Yep. Yeah. Valerie. <laughs> Because I was looking at her during the first watching, and I was like, "It's familiar. Where have I seen her before?" That's what I said. Yeah. I was thinking maybe it was. I was trying to think it was. It could be Martha's sister. No, it's not her. And I'm like, you know, trying to figure out who she is. But it's going to be now. This is going to be interesting to see how this pans out because now Bill spotted who was in, who was taking that photograph in the mirror. And obviously, there's more to come. Yeah, I think that. I mean, we, we, we. I mean, we're sounding very positive about this, which is absolutely great. But I think, uh, I think I, I was surprised that she didn't challenge. I mean, it. I mean, it suddenly jumped because I didn't realize. Because we we've had two Christmas stories, and then we have Bill bringing him a Christmas present. And it's snowing. I'm thinking, oh, what are they doing now? But but I, she didn't challenge. Not challenging, but. It was you, wasn't it? It was you. No, did yeah. I? It was you. You know, but it was it was lovely. And uh, I think um, how quickly you can accept somebody as a companion. That scene, as, as Kyle alluded to before, that scene I saw her sitting on the bed, watching the I thought, this, this this girl's a keeper. You know. Does the doctor even know if that's who she is? If if does the doctor know who daughter? You know, if that that does the doctor know? If, that her mother, you know, that they know each other, you know, I don't know. Huh? <laughs> oh, all right, okay. But, uh... Hang on, let me get another drink. She <laughs> was playing a different character at the time, but, yeah. Um, uh, so, um... There's an awful lot to recommend it. And by the way, the, while we're talking about connections, um, as well as, the, you know, this 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 other world we went to, looked awfully a lot like the one in the... Um, Sarah Jane adventures as well. The one where they had those sort of vulture creatures and um, uh, we had two companions uh, and they went off world in that. that oh, yeah. That, that uh, looked like the same same place to me that they'd filmed that. Mm. That was the two-part Death of the Doctor. That was actually the one with Matt Smith appearing. Ah, yeah. I think you're right, yeah. Yep. Ian knows his quarries. Mm-hmm. Well, as I said in the beginning before I we started no... recording, it's sort of a throwback to the original uh, Doctor Who oh, stories, yeah. you know, always shooting in the same quarry. And I think they shared the quarry with Blake Seven as well. And um, and now they're doing it today as well. They, they're going back and shooting uh, various um, modern day Doctor Who episodes in the same place. Well, I'm watching a lot of TV Star Trek at the moment and every blooming episode they're in a cave. So it's, it's not much different. Yeah. Cue up the room shot, please. I'm about to deliver. <clears throat> uh -oh. when, it, when it comes to quarries, I leave no stone unturned. But I'm going to do my own work here, I tell you. <laughs> I, know. Well, I, I'm, I was looking for it. I, didn't, <laughs> I don't think I have one yet. <laughs> oh, dear. We'll put it in, in post, right? Yeah. <laughs> it all goes in in post. <laughs> yeah. There you go. <laughs> Excuse me. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, close enough. <laughs> yeah. That'll do. <laughs> or you could have settled for a wah, wah, wah. <laughs> yeah.
Jemand nur den. Get out. What? You can keep your memories. Now get out before I change my mind. Don't speak, don't start, just run. Now, go! Shut up as well. Will you all please just leave me alone? I can't do that anymore. I promised. It's a big universe. But maybe one day we'll find her. changed your mind. Time. Time. And relative dimension in space. And welcome aboard, Bill. <laughs> and lovely Clara's theme coming yeah. in there yes. at that yes. point. I don't you know, think no, go ahead. I, was saying, I don't think I've recognised a Bill theme yet, but uh, maybe that's not in there. But and, and, you know, and, you know, listening to that and hearing the audio only, and, and I think you've said this earlier, Dave, there's something about hearing just, you know, getting the audio. It may have been one of the other two guys. I'm, I'm not sure. But regardless, hearing the audio only made me think, and I think this is something someone else has already commented about, which is, is the doctor who said, get out of here, and the doctor that is standing outside, and he says, you know, time, and then, of course, goes on and says the rest of the TARDIS name. But is that the doctor from some other point in his own time? Because he had such anger of, get out of here, just go, go, go. And then when she's standing outside, it's so calm and collected of, you know, come on, let's go. No, I, th I think it was because, you know, when he says, oh, shut up, all of he's talking to the photographs, and the TARDIS makes the noise. So when he says to her, she says, what changed your mind? Literally, ah, it oh, was the well. TARDIS that made him change his mind. Mm -hmm. Good point. Very good point. Because the TARDIS is a character on itself, yeah. Good point. But now, who do we think he... The promise that he made. What, what do you think that is? Oh, I mean, the promise that he said that the reason why he wasn't going to, you know. Right. Could have been to River Song. Could have been to himself after he felt. I mean, he knows he has this hole, doesn't he? This Clara shaped. Well, no, it's Clara shaped, but this Clara shaped. And, and he knows that there is a sense of loss that comes with this. But it may well be something that, uh, although usually in the past, uh, that's a contradiction because hasn't River Song said to him in the past, oh, was it Martha that said to him, you know, you're useless without a companion, you need somebody with you? 
So or was or, or was it um, was it Donna? Oh, it might have been Donny. Yeah, mm. you see there. Yeah. So um, I, I took it to mean that he made a promise to himself not not to risk anybody else's life because um, you know people he had people had, had died. I mean, obviously, whether he remembers that Clara has died or not, I don't know. Um, he knows that River Song has come to an end, but that's an, a unique case in its own right. Uh, and of course. The ambiguity of that scene where we hear Clara's theme is he could also remember when, like, the 10th Doctor had this very painful thing of all that growth that Donna had made uh, uh, was taken away from her. She just Correct. becomes a temp again. So it's open to interpretation, I think. Yeah, it's... Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm, spec- I'm trying to think of what, um, you know... That promise, you know, who could have been? I'm thinking maybe it's relating to the, you know, because there's still a backstory about this vault, you know, and that's true. Right. And maybe yeah. it's gonna it's gonna pan out later, you know, um, that's this backstory, and maybe it's related to that, and on on and what or who or is in that vault. <laughs> that's where he's keeping uh, River Song. <laughs> uh, yes, yes. Hello, sweetie. <laughs> All right. Well, um, I'll lead off and I'll say that I really did enjoy the story. I, you know, I, I understand the arguments um, and I think um, Ian kind of spoke to it a lot, you know, that, um, you know, and, and we are constrained with time as well. It's a, it was 50 minutes. I think it was 51 minutes and it's, you know, a little bit longer than uh, your usual 45 or whatever. So that it, it but it still was constrained in time. And relative dimension space, uh, it was so constrained in time. Um, so maybe you know there, there was only so much they could do as far as you know uh, fleshing out that alien. The, the um, and and they had to have an adversary, of course, um, something to um, you know uh, to drive the story along. And maybe if it was something bigger and more fleshed out, maybe it would be competing too much with the story of introducing Bill and and um, and reintroducing everything. You know, um, when, when we think back to The Unearthly Child, the first episode, at least, the, um, th- th- that was all done in 24 minutes or whatever, however long it was, and there was no adversary, but it was an introduction to the series. And the adversary of that was the Doctor, really, you know, if you think about it. And, right. Um, here it's 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 not obviously but it's um um so maybe you know maybe i'm i was expecting too much having more uh time spent fleshing out that adversary of of this um oil whatever you want to call the the water heather if you will so, um, but I'm I'll, I'm going to give it a solid four out of five TARDIS groans, maybe four and a half if I watch it again. I, I did like it the better the, the, as I usually do the second on the second viewing, and um, I, I thought it was a very strong story, and I I really like Bill as the companion, and now I, you know, knowing that, well, at least there's speculation that once the this this series is up and. Um, this doctor departs and we got a new doctor and there's going to be a new companion and um, I'm hoping that's not the case. I'm hoping that maybe Bill can kind of can continue on and um, you know th- th- make that transition if, 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 if um, Peter Capaldi is actually leaving and we are going to get a new doctor I'm hoping that that's, um, she can be that bridging companion that we usually have. 
but yeah, I, I did enjoy it, and um, and and I, and it is a good starting point for maybe people being reintroduced to the series. Yep. I'm all in favor of that. Go on, Dan. Then you go. All right then. I'll go. <laughs> See ya. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> Well, no, I, thought, I thought Ian was going. <laughs> Anyone else can jump in? No, no. It, 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 I mean, um, it, it's a it's a good episode. Um, I mean, earlier on, I kind of uh, revealed my hand early, of course, and and said I gave it a five out of five. It's a different five out of five. I mean, I, I there's a couple of episodes of Doctor Who that are always a little different. Um, and to me, it's it's the first episode of, of uh, you know, like a companion being introduced um, or a new doctor being introduced or a Christmas episode. There's certain rules that apply, I think, to those particular episodes where you've got to kind of change things up because you've got to get to know the new character or Christmas, the Christmas episode, you know, you're spending time with the family in front of the TV you don't want to be worried about continuity or the story arc or or anything. You just want to have a good time and watch some Doctor Who and be entertained. And that's all it should really be for Christmas. But yeah, um, companion intro episodes, you know, are fall under that category where um, you're going to get to know your companion. You're going to have, you know, some problem in there, some alien um, and but not so much that it you know takes over the entire episode because then you lose that introduction to the companion. So this this does it to a T. Um, it hits all the nails on the head, ticks every box, all those you know all those famous lines. No, I really 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 like Bell actually. Uh, one of the things I think I said uh, to, to Dave was. And it's hard to phrase this properly without it sounding kind of insulting, but you don't realize she's new mm-hmm. because she just fits in. Yeah. She there's no kind of like oh I don't know if I like her or you know is that hmm you know she's she's a bit weird or is is, is she trying to be funny? No, she just kind of the chemistry's there. She just arrives and kind of it's like she's always been there and it really really works you know we've had different companions over the you know over the years um over the many many years you know one that always comes to mind for me is is, is donna is because when donna first arrived it was very much that oh i don't know if i like this person and then we found out she was gonna be a full-time companion and it was even worse it was like what the heck is going on here i don't know you know if i can you know if I can stand it. But Bill just kind of, it's not that she's boring. Don't get me wrong. She's really good. But she's a very comfortable good. You know, she just, you want her to be in the TARDIS. You know, mm-hmm. you you want her to be there with the doctor because she's, she's, she's good. Um, she questions things all the time and tries to make sense of everything. And, you know, like I said, she's good, uh, and and I can't wait to see more. Really, uh, for 
for a long time, Doctor Who's been like, oh, I'm going to watch this, and and I've enjoyed this episode and that episode, and not all of them all together. Um, this one, I'm really kind of excited to see where this goes. And there's some rumors out there that I'm not really going to bring up, but um, I hope the one about Bill is wrong, because I'd like really like to see her continue on for a while, because she's enjoyable. And I really enjoyed this story. Um, it did all the right things for me, and yeah, roll on the next episode. Okay, well, I'll go next if I may, and we'll let we'll leave the best till last with Kyle. But <laughs> um, um, yeah, um, it's it is difficult to rate. I, I wouldn't rate it a five. I'd certainly rate it a very strong four. And the story, well, I think I rated it a three, but maybe that should be. Uh, three and a half, and the acting brings it up again. So it's it's definitely a very strong four, um, and uh, there's still that background criticism of you know we've we've got uh, a companion who's from contemporary Earth, although as as Lewis mentioned uh, from the teasers and her fashion sense, you know she doesn't look she could be certainly a girl from the eighties. The actress herself is, I think she's 29 or something, but she seems to be playing Bill, you know, a good five years younger than that with a sort of, you know, what do you call it in America, a sort of peppy, peppy sort of delivery. Um, but I think that's going to work because I feel as though after all the navel gazing that the Doctor of Am I a Good Man and all this, he's had his, um, his time with River Song. Uh, is uh, is more at ease with with that. Is is presumably had sixty, seventy years uneventful, uh, doing other things. Obviously, going off on other adventures while he's at this university. But um, you know, if this is to be his last hurrah, then. I'm not saying you want a good time girl to go with you, but a girl that's up for adventure, she's the one that's going to be driving in, show me something new, show me something new. You know, um, she's going to be my fair lady. She's going to be his educating Rita. She's going to be his, you know, his muse. Uh, not in a sexual sense, because that's been now firmly put out of range. Um, so the story can be front and centre. And I am... Um, Absolutely. What the one thing I want from this series is that it's so good that the twelfth doctor is so good that if, it, as inevitably it seems, this generation comes to an end, it's going to come. You know, when his real zest for being the doctor is at its zenith. Mm. We had with the tenth doctor. You know, I could do so much more. Uh, but I don't want that. I just want this doctor sort of to really be in in the groove, uh, you know, reinvigorated, uh, got a young, keen intellect coming along with him, a rough around the edges, a little bit of a rough diamond that he's going to show. And she shows him for the light, like Ian said, he cuts through this. As soon as the doctor gets pompous, she cuts through it with, you know, a very down-to-earth remark. Um, so it has the makings of um, not only the 12th Doctor's swan song, but Stephen Moffat's 
swan song and where he may bring even some of those slightly critical members of our fandom back into the fold with regards to the writing. I don't think Peter Capaldi's Doctor has had the best writing to for him really. It's been too, a little bit. There's been a little bit too much Scottish dearth and and um, you know downcastness. Uh, I want this to be up and up and up, and of course that will inevitably lead to um, you know uh, uh, perhaps a crushing changeover, but nonetheless something where you feel as though the Doctor is doing what he does best, flitting about arriving unexpectedly, affecting a local dispute, or arriving in the middle of something and inexplicably to the locals coming up with a solution, getting to the nub of it, and maybe this companion providing it with Nordle along for at least some of that ride. Um, yeah, all, all, the, all the little pieces are in place for a little chess game of a series. And now we'll hear uh, perhaps Kyle echo that or have a different view. No, no, no. I think I'm going to absolutely echo that, you know, and I think I'm going to be very in line with what um, um, Ian said just, a, you know, a moment ago, because I remember when we started recording, you know, when I was recording with Clarence and with Lee, one of the first things that I said at when we started talking about the episode was, no offense to Jenna Coleman, but I wish that Pearl Mackey had come in at the beginning of the uh, eighth series because, you know, looking back and looking at the pilot, looking at those first few minutes in that first scene, I just really liked Capaldi in a way that I have not liked him in the uh, first season. I mean, you know, these last two seasons that he's been in with the eighth and ninth seasons, I didn't not dislike him, you know, but I didn't really, really enjoy him. And I agree with what you said, Dave. Some of the writing may not have been up to par as with some of the other stories. But if I go back to Deep Breath talking about transition episodes, I've watched that again. But if I watch just certain segments, I watch that first segment where he collapses on the beach or wherever he's, you know, the, on that um you know, where, wherever they're at, but he falls, you know, uh, Thames, yeah, bingo. And then at the end, I, I fast forward pretty much to the end and watch the introduction of Missy. I'm more excited about the introduction of Missy in that episode than I am his story with Clara. You know, and I know Clarence really liked Clara as a companion, but I just with seeing him with Bill didn't feel that Clara. And, and I know, um, Dave, I know you liked Clara, but I just didn't feel that same chemistry. And my rating is going to be the same thing as I gave on discussing who, which is a strong five out of five, because I was excited. I enjoyed, and I had an enjoyment about the episodes that I've not felt since Matt Smith was there. And I think that she brought the chemistry that she had with him and and add Nordle into the mix. But I just had more enjoyment, with the exception of the Husbands of River Song, 
other than that episode, I had more enjoyment out of this particular one episode that I can see myself watching over and over and over again than any of the last two seasons. And for that, I give it a five out of five. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. I, and I, I have to, you know, echo the same thoughts about, you know, that, that chemistry I think was, is very much there. And I really thought the, as I said before, the, the three of them worked very well together, Nordle, um, Bill and, and the doctor. And I think, you know, what, what, um, Kyle just said, you know, I, it crossed my mind too. I said, what if, you know, Bill was introduced sooner in the tenure of the 12th doctor, you know, would that have maybe, um, altered some previous stories and, and maybe enriched them in a different way. Um, and it's possibly that they might have. Yeah, I think so. All right. Well, next episode we're going to be reviewing is, uh, is it, is it smile? Is that smile? Smile. smile. You're on candid camera. <laughs> hmm. So yeah, I'm trying to keep myself uh, as, um, you know, um, you know, I, I'm trying to keep myself away from any spoilers or any. So I, I'm really keeping myself in the dark about, you know, this season. You know, I've only seen the only thing I know is what we've been seeing in the in the teasers and um, and that, you know. Um, so, yeah, I have no idea what Smile will be about um, other than, you know, what we've seen in the teaser. So um, something to look forward to. And. You know, keeping it fresh, like Ian said, you know, you, you want some surprises to be left in there. So I try to avoid spoilers as much as possible. Um, if you haven't seen, obviously, if you come to the end of this review, we assumed you've seen the pilot. Um, just a heads up for those that um, you can spread the news to others that haven't seen it yet. As I said, this is could make a good introduction to Doctor Who. Uh, to my understanding, even I've because um, I purchased it already through iTunes. But to my understanding, I think it's free for this episode um, to download to to um, to watch on iTunes. Um, you know, I think they they did that deliberately so that people can be introduced and 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 um, latch onto it. And they're doing the same thing with the which I haven't seen yet, but I, I promise I will. Class, the spinoff of Doctor Who, is also available on iTunes. And it's also that first episode, that premiere episode, is available free. Um, I don't know for how long, but it's it's available now free to download and view or stream on iTunes. And I'm assuming, um, I haven't looked, but my assumption is it's probably the case on Amazon and, and other places where it's found um, digitally. We are over two hours into this episode, so we're going to round things out here. But I, I do want to thank everyone for being involved. I want to thank all our listeners for listening. And I, and I do want to give a shout-out to Lee O. I'm just, um, I'm just going to abbreviate his, his last name there because that's how he uses it on Facebook. Um, for um, his donation, he gave a sizable donation to Dr. Podchok. Um, it really helps things go here, keep us going, and um, you know, keeps the lights on, as as you say. And I know we have uh, podcast supporting a uh, podcast su- podcast supporting subscribers still, um, you know, um, giving their their um, a monthly little uh, donation that's been helping us along too. What um, if you've noticed on our site, um, you can't really join now because. We're transitioning. We're probably going to be um, transitioning to another system, um, which we'll announce shortly. 
and um, so that you still can support the show. But and, and we're sort of in limbo in this transitional period. But I do want to thank those that are continuing to support the show for their support. And like I said, just a, um, a shout out to Lee O, who um, made a nice little donation that um, I wanted to recognize. So, um, but if you want to hear more of Dr. Upachak, or at least some of the voices that you hear on Dr. Upachak, fear not, you can. Um, as you know, Dave and Ian do a show called The Cultum Collective, which um, was, it's, it's still one Sunday a month. No, no, no. We now have gone weekly. Now Doctor Who's on. With, uh, in fact, we're in two, season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ooh, hey, uh, <laughs> I, better, I better take protection. Um, it's um, we're doing two shows a, a week. We're uh, two shows a week, so that's uh, on the Sunday. We're doing our live show at two p.m. Eastern on Torchwood. Call ID 54821, which you can join in live. Either come in uh, and just listen or uh, text chat uh, or whatever. Uh, if you come in, we'll give you some instructions how to talk. Um, and then we are also putting out the commentaries, which um, we're having um, guests come on with us. Mike, our third wheel, of course, is back. Yes, we've got Mike back into the fold with Dr. Yes, he, he stepped away a little bit. He, he was a little bit frustrated with Peter Moffat and the way the show was going. But uh, his interest was piqued. Um, some of the uh, things that you've mentioned, Lewis, he decided that, um, you know, he will he, he will watch it. And so got that. And, and maybe another voice that you're hearing today will also be making a, a welcomed appearance on one of our commentaries very soon indeed. And I wonder who it could be. Yes. And who, speaking who of knows? that voice, Kyle, you can you can hear Kyle along is uh, along with Lee at at uh, am I correct? Yes, absolutely. Um, wait, so, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, no. Go ahead. I was in, in discussing who. Oh, you go ahead. Uh, with um and and there's Clarence. a third voice that's not Clarence. on our show that you can hear as well. Yes, and by the way, um. Um, Dave Lee, I mean, excuse me, Clarence wanted to say thank you for the shout out that you gave him on Cult um, for the YouTube channel that he had appeared on. So he said you were very kind. So I said I would pass that along. Oh, yes. Okay. Very kind. Yes, we can be found on Discussing Who at discussingwho.com. And we're also doing weeklies. Uh, for the entire season of Doctor Who. Uh, Lee won't be able to be on with us next time, but we've got a uh, returning guest who had been on a couple of episodes ago. It was a local person that Clarence and I know who has a TARDIS in her living room so uh, that her husband built for her. So she's coming back on with us to do a review of Smile. Did they have to take the wall out to get it in? <laughs> I, I've got, I will ask her. Uh, we'll or is definitely it a ask. Not so, yeah. I think it's a lift. Uh, <laughs> I, I will know by the time we review Smile, I will ask her. Cool. So we're all cross-pollinating our shows. Busy bees. <laughs> yeah. What's, go what's happening with the bees? <laughs> all right. Well, until next time, I think that's gonna we're going to call it a wrap, and we'll see you next time. Cheers, everyone. Cheers. Cheers. Bye. You know, because we were re recording this quarry, I wish I'd brought a cushion. <laughs> a pita cushion? Oh. You're sitting on. Oh! 
You have been listening to Doctor Who Podshock, presented to you by the fan-run GallifreyNMC.org. Doctor Who is owned and trademarked by the BBC. Doctor Who Podshock is not affiliated with the BBC in any way. Doctor Who Podshock theme music by Jeff Smith at thejeffsmith.com. This has been a production of Art Trap Productions and has been made possible by supporting subscribers and donations from listeners like you. This podcast is also supported by the Podchock Podcast Companion app now in the iTunes App Store. Visit arttrap.com for more information on this and other podcasts. Early in this episode of Doctor Who Podchock, we spoke about the sad loss of our friend and co-host, Terrasnetician. And he's been involved with the show for uh, going back to 2005. Here's a segment on Doctor Who canon that he recorded for us in February of 2007. I was recently made aware of Paul Cornell's blog and his post on Doctor Who canon. His main thesis is that there is no final arbiter of the canonicity of Doctor Who source material. Paul Cornell's convictions on canon caused me to consider a course clear of this conundrum. So until we can convene a convocation considering the canonicity of the collected complex of creative contrivances that constitute the chief core of considered canon, I decree that I myself am the sole czar of the collected complex of creative contrivances that constitute the chief core of considered canon, or the canon keeper for short. As the sole self-appointed arbiter of canon, I shall issue the following decrees, which will define the orthodoxy of Doctor Who fandom until the time of the convocation. Roman numeral one, all Doctor Who episodes are canon only if they have been released on DVD. Until the story is released on DVD, it is non-canonical. So get a move on it to entertain. Subparagraph A. This therefore means that the key to time is only canonical in the United States, and Invasion, the Centauran Experiment, and Doctor Who the Movie are canonical in the UK only. Expats must choose between the two, subject to import duties, of course. Subparagraph B. By special decree, Fury from the Deep is hereby canonical in full mainly because I like it so much, and I love the Australian censor clips of Oak and Quill. Subparagraph C. This means a fix with the Santarans is canon. Sorry. Roman numeral two. As far as the Big Finish audios go, any story that was broadcast both on BBC7 and sold on CD is canon. Subparagraph A. I guess this leaves out Minuet in Hell. Subparagraph B. The Bernice Summerfield audios may be declared canonical once Paul's check clears. Roman numeral three. Only the novels that I have read are canon. Paul, I'm working on getting to yours as soon as I can. I may be moved to read a little quicker if you send another check. Subparagraph A. If a novel bores me to tears, I may conveniently forget that I read it, and therefore it is non-canonical. Subparagraph B. A special dispensation for all audiobooks distributed in the Radio Times and stories published in columns of newsprint is hereby granted on a provisional basis, as long as I got to hear or read a copy. Roman numeral four. All comics published in Doctor Who magazine from issues 98 through 260 and from issue 300 onwards are canonical. 
So are all the letters to the editor in those issues. Subparagraph A. Memorize all the letters. There will be a quiz, a so-called test of fandom. Extra points to all if a letter of mine gets published. Roman numeral five. All the audiovisual plays from the 80s and 90s are canon because I feel Nick Briggs makes a wonderful doctor. Also, so that we have multiple versions of certain stories in the canon. Hey, all stories change with the telling. They're all valid, except in the court of opinion. Oh, wait. That's what canon's all about. Uh, never mind. Roman numeral six. Fan fiction written by my friends is canon. Want to be my friend? Subparagraph A. The price of my friendship is 20 quid in the UK or $40 plus $20 for postage and handling elsewhere. Well, I decide if there's any handling. Oh, you can also buy me a pint. Just remember that I don't drink cheap beer, as the DWNY crew already know. Roman numeral seven. The TARDIS console has five sides, and K9 is green. Subparagraph A. Well, I do have a Dapol diorama playset. Nuff said. Roman numeral eight. Though Podshot cannot be considered canon at this time, feel free to choose which episodes are to be included in the Apocrypha. Subparagraph A. Exceptions. The episodes that mention me by name are canonical. Also, once Paul's check clears, those that mention his or his works are also canonical. Roman numeral 9. Did I mention that I could be bought? This concludes the complete codex circumscribing the canonicity of the collected complex of creative contrivances that constitute the chief core of considered canon of Doctor Who fandom. Please send your donations and confess your sins to feedback at podshock.net. This opinion piece was written and performed by Taras Natitian for Podshock. The opinions expressed in this diatribe are my own, except where I've lifted them from Paul Cornell and others. Postscript. Love and Monsters is very canonical. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>